Well, that you might. Jesus. everybody, welcome back to the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast, the best damn wrestling podcast in the universe. I'm Dan the Man, I'm here with Dougie the Thuggy. Yo, <laughs> I'm ready to go after a nice turkey sandwich. There you go, I had ham. Uh, <laughs> and uh, E Nasty here, Eric, how we doing? What's up? How are you guys? We're good, man. You have a good week? I had a great week. It was a pretty. It was a. Uh, it was a weird week because just because of having a day off in the middle of it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was a good week, and uh, we're here to talk some more macho. Oh yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> we uh we did uh, eleven through five last time, or ten through five. Yeah. There's only ten in the top ten list. And then we uh, we're gonna do one uh, four to one. Yeah. So we got a lot of lists left. This is part two of our top ten matches and moments for Mitch, Mr. Macho Man, and uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. It definitely is because there's a lot we still have to get through. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you want to get right into it? Yeah. I just I, I do want to preface though by saying that like. We're basically, I, I think a lot of this four through one is more than likely his WWF run. Like, there's nothing against the WCW run, but, like, after 98, he was pretty much, like, he was done. I mean, even with the reinvigoration of the character and the addition of, like... I like the heel dickhead stuff, though, when he was being... I mean, I didn't like that he slapped Tory Wilson or something like that. Didn't he slap somebody? Who did he slap? I, I I think they accused him of slapping George, the gorgeous George. They didn't accuse him. He did it on camera. It was like a part of the story. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, it was George. Well, it, no, it might have been. They, they, they accused him of hitting George, but he actually did hit Tory. So, he yeah. hit somebody backstage. He, beat, he fucking slapped the shit out of some chick. Yeah. But, uh. But see, to me, like that kind of that character was kind of because that was basically it was him kind of reinventing himself, yeah, and showing that you know he's still kind of a ladies' man, yeah. Uh, and like the theme song was kind of cool, you know the what up match, and uh, like it's so like that character was kind of he had some good stuff in WCW. He had some really good moments, even a part of the NWO, but. WWF is definitely his time. Like we said, he should have been the number one guy in some spots. So 
his best work is definitely in the WWF. He's got good stuff in his later career. Like a lot of guys that went there. Yeah. They had some good later career stuff. But does it really capture them in their prime? No, not really. Only a few guys got way better with age, DDP being one of them, one of Macho's best rivals. Right. It was like the the reinvigoration of the Macho Man character was the whole, like the heel and the team madness and all that, which, by the way, he had three, well, he he had three gorgeous women with him. He was just going too far. Yeah. It just, and that's. It was back when it was hard to get invested because someone was winning the world title every week. Yeah. You know, that that was when it was getting really bad. Yeah. And by the way, he actually met gorgeous, gorgeous George. And this is no lie. Gorgeous George, Stephanie Bellers was actually a stripper that Macho Man met at, uh, she was dancing at this place called the doll, the doll house in Tampa, Florida. Okay. And they met, and then they just kind of started dating, and then they wanted him back on TV, so he's like, can I bring her with me? And That's how she got the job? Yeah. Gorgeous George. Wasn't he like an old-time wrestler? Yes, but this is a different Gorgeous George. Oh, okay. okay so. I was a little confused there. Yeah. And, uh, I saw, by the way, like, when you were talking about the trip clubs and stuff, I was like, wait a minute, wasn't Gorgeous George like the Yeah, he was at the drag 60s, show. 60s, 70s, something like that? Yeah. Well, no, the original Gorgeous George goes all the way back to the 30s. Oh, really? I think. Yeah, but he wasn't as hot. No. No, this Gorgeous George, her name was, her real name was Stephanie Bellers, and she actually dated uh, Macho Man for a while. And she's also part of, like, this controversial uh, story that went around, like, 2000, 2001 at at some country concert. Uh, She got into a... Road Warrior Hawk was there with his wife. And uh, Macho Man was there with 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 Gorgeous George. And George got into it with Hawk's wife. And uh, Hawk stepped in and threatened to hit <coughs> threatened to hit George. So Macho Man stepped in and said, you're touching, you know, my woman or whatever. And they got into it. Yeah. <coughs> But yeah, his early stuff's way better. Oh yeah. So let's get into it. I think it. that's the point we're trying to make. Uh I'm gonna go through the original the whole list to start. At number ten we have versus Sting at Spring Stampede ninety eight for the world title. Number nine we have Hacksaw Jim Duggan at the eighty nine King of the Ring. Number three we have the Las Vegas Sudden Death Match at Halloween Havoc ninety seven with DDP. No, that's number eight. Whatever. The next one is WrestleMania 7 match with uh, Ultimate Warrior. Okay. The Macho Man sit-in in 97, right January 20th. Yeah. And uh, Saturday night's main event, February 8th, 92, with Jake Roberts. Okay. That's 10 through 5. Number four is the Mega Powers Explosion. Oh, and this was a live special. So... The ultimate heel turn, some would say. So, back in, uh, everybody remembers, I'm sure, and we actually covered it on the show, the very first uh, live edition of the main event, when they did it on a Friday and Friday, February the 5th, 1988, like I said, we covered it on the show. And because that was such a, that drew such a big rating, 
NBC is just like, all right, do it once a year now. Once a year, we'll do it around this time. Mm-hmm. And just pick two matches. Don't do three because they actually ran out of time and they couldn't do the world tag title match on that first one. Uh, so Strike Force and the Heart yeah. Foundation screwed. <laughs> uh, so they're like, just pick two matches and we'll we'll roll with it. We can get enough. We're giving you an hour in prime time. Which prime time, a Friday night time slot from 8 to 9. Uh, big deal back then. Big deal back then. The thing, and, you know, they were running up against, if you look at, like, what they're running up against, ABC had already started TGIF. Oh. So you so had all those family sitcoms. Right. So you're on a Friday night, you're running up against. Uh, family uh, matters and shit like yeah. that, right? I don't. I don't know yep. if Family Matters had started yet, but pretty much. But I, I think you're running up against like Full House and right. Remember Perfect Strangers? Oh yeah. All right, that was another big one that was on Friday night. Uh, I feel like we should be saving that for a different show though. Uh, but anyway, so you get my point. Yeah. All right. So you're running up against that, but so when you're running up against something like that, you have to have big marquee matches. The biggest feud at the time was Hulk Hogan and Big Boss Man. Yeah. Both guys had partners. So it's like, okay, we're going to do the Twin Towers and the Mega Powers. Uh, by the way, the other match on that card was the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase versus Hercules, which actually was another big feud that was selling out house shows at the time. Uh, good for Hercules. Uh, anyway, so... They're going to do this match, and they've been teasing since Survivor Series that uh, Savage was going to blow up on Hogan because Hogan was getting a little too touchy with Ms. Elizabeth, including at the Survivor Series when uh, Elizabeth or when Hogan picked up Elizabeth for a big hug in front of Savage. Savage looked at him and said, what the fuck is going on here? Like, he had that look on his face like, why are you, why are your hands on my woman? And then, like, they continued to have problems. But, so, they were going to have this big tag match. In the middle of the match, Akeem took Savage and threw him on top of Elizabeth. Hogan picked Elizabeth up and carried her to the back. Yeah. Savage saw that Savage was getting pissed. So Savage is getting beat up by two guys who, by the way, are both over 400 pounds. Uh, and that was after dinner. Uh, so, and by the way, Twin Towers actually, uh, the whole act was slick. A very underrated act, by the way. Yeah. Okay. It was. Uh, very underrated heel act. I mean, they were, I liked both of them. Yeah. I liked that whole deal. And slick as well. But Keem was never going to go too far, though. No. But I'll tell you. Because it was kind of a weird. It was a weird gimmick, but the way they set it up, mm-hmm. like that vignette where he became Akeem. Yeah, but he's not African, right? No. And But, like, that whole vignette where they're on the streets of Chicago and they're setting up like he becomes Akeem. <laughs> this fat and, white dude, the African dream. Yeah. Do you think that was a dig at Dusty? You know what? 
in the American Dream? I, I, I think it was, but I don't think – I think it was, and I think, like, one-man gang, George Gray, I think he kind of felt uncomfortable – not uncomfortable with it. He tried to make it work. I think Slick had no clue what the hell was going on. Yeah, he was like, fuck it. But, like, that whole setup when you're in the middle of, like, this dark neighborhood in, in uh, Chicago – where gang grew, where gang lives, yeah, and you have Mean Gene out there in a tuxedo, <laughs> fucking eleven o'clock at night, or whatever time it was, but it was dark, and you had Slick out there, and Slick goes, "Let me tell you something, brother," and yeah. Gene goes, "What's up, cousin?" <laughs> and I was just like, "What the? Why are they getting Gene to talk straight?" <laughs> but to me, that was like that was fucking that was gold back then. Like, you good. look at it now, like, like I look at it now, you know how, like, I kind of, you know, almost creamed over uh, the whole Sting segment where Sting tricked Rick Rude and, uh, yeah. Canada. All right. But, so, like, you know, I enjoyed that, you know, and I enjoyed this, and you might watch that whole Akeem transformation thing. No, I like that. And look at it and be like, this is the dumbest fucking thing. I don't think it's dumb. It's just racially weird. Yeah. Because of, yeah. Nowadays it is. Yeah. Yeah. It, but even back then, it's kind of still a little spotty, right? I mean, just this, this fat. I mean, I don't know where he's from, but it's not Africa. And he grew He grew up, well, the character, I'm pretty sure he grew up in Chicago. Okay. Alright, he has What's actually funny is that after he uh, get after he retired from wrestling, he actually became a corrections officer in Cobb County, Georgia. You know, like his former tag team partner was. Uh, oh wow! Yeah. Bossman. Yeah. When did he retire? Bossman was was a legit corrections officer, and then Gang, when he retired. He actually got a job working as a corrections officer. Not, I don't think at the same, prison, but basically in the same area, uh, you know, outside of Atlanta. Gang, Eric, to answer your question, gang, well, I'm getting to that. Uh, gang officially retired, I believe, in like, because he still did like spot shows here and there. Mm-hmm. But I think he officially mm-hmm. retired in like 2002. Yeah. He's another oh, wow. one here that's just underrated as fuck yeah and another one of those big and i like i said fat and like yeah he was but it's like they were still athletes man and they could still move and they could still go and gang could fucking go with the best although he had a faux pas on this episode of made of <laughs> yeah so uh the faux pas being and i'll get back to the whole heel turn in a second he goes to uh she just take us off the air. No, we're still on. She just minimized the tag. Uh, <laughs> Eric, can you still hear us? The screen went blank. Yeah, I'm still here. All right, good. All right. Uh, so there was a there was a part where like I think Savage had already slapped Hogan in the face and left. And Gang has Hogan draped across the second rope and gets ready to go do his thing where he goes up against the ropes, gets a full head of steam, and then kind of does, like, the the body, you know, drops all the weight on, like, the back of Hogan's neck. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Gang goes to run across the ropes. His fat ass tripped, and he slipped in between the ropes. 
That's funny as fuck. Live television. That's still a good spot, though, for a heel. It's a good spot. Well, the thing is, is that, like, it's not because Hogan moved or anything like that. It was the ropes he was supposed to run against. And he slipped in between. Oh, yeah, that's stupid. Like, like it was a, a faux pas in front of, by the way, about uh, 20 million people that were watching this at the time. It's still on Botchamania. Did like, you see this big bastard spell? Yeah, yeah, like 450 pounds. But he recovered pretty quick. Well, he got back in the ring right away, and he tagged Bossman in. He's like, I, he was I, like, fuck this. Yeah. You hit him. I'm done with this shit. Yeah. So, but again, two very underrated guys. I don't think, I mean, I, Bossman, I think, does get his just. Yeah. His just do. He does. Okay. Gang, Gang not does. so much. Gang's up there. Gang, Bigelow, and Vader are like the three big men that get lumped into the King Kong Bundy, like lazy type thing when they weren't. They were underrated, agile, awesome big men characters Yeah, that all deserve Hall of Fame. I don't know. I know Bigelow's in, isn't he? No, Bigelow, uh, no Vader got in. Okay. Bigelow hasn't been in yet. Uh Gang, I would love to see go in. It's just crazy because WWE and you got the Hogan's and the Jacked Out. They really emphasize that era, and they kind of forget that the guys that made Hogan look so good were the fucking big boss men and the big guys. Right. Know? And it's just they only talk about Andre and shit. They don't talk about all these other guys that are really good. Right. So the spot comes. So Hogan takes Elizabeth to the back, and Elizabeth said, "Go back out there and help Randy." Because Hogan's just saying, Randy didn't mean it, Randy didn't mean it. And, like, he's just, like, like he's trying to he's trying to make it sound like he's just treating Elizabeth like a little sister. But the way, like, he was yeah. all over her, it's like one of those. Remember when. You Kurt, don't grab your little sister's ass like that. Yeah. Remember when uh, Kurt Angle took Stephanie to the back during the one episode of SmackDown and then he, like, laid the, the lip lock on her? Yes. Okay. It's almost like, except for Hogan didn't kiss Elizabeth. But you almost kind of get, like, those vibes. And that's the thing. And that's why it's hard not to paint Hogan as a dick behind the scenes, too. And we did that for, like, 30 minutes last episode. So we're not going to get into that this episode. And that's his, why we're doing a part two. Yeah. But uh, he fucking... It's one of those... Like, to me, this is probably... I said the ultimate heel turn earlier. But honestly, it probably is the best heel turn. Maybe the most iconic. It's right up there with some of the best heel turns of all time. But it's one of those also where it's like, Macho's pretty justified. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, he, he might be flipping out and jealous if and stuff. If you but show Hogan, this to a new fan... Yeah, they'll be like, yeah, I'd fucking punch him too. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Like, he's getting a little too fucking touchy. Like, I, you don't really blame him. That's why it's kind of hard to be like... Because it is a great heel turn. And what it led to was good. I liked the match. I liked everything about that feud. And I yeah. liked the blow-up. But Right. So... Uh, Hogan goes back out there. Savage shakes Hogan's hand and slaps him in the face and then goes to the back to talk to Elizabeth. Hogan then deals with, with Akeem and Boss Man, gets beat up, makes a comeback, and also helped that Akeem's fat ass slip through the ropes. Uh, makes a comeback, disqualification win for the Mega Powers, right? Savage goes, or Hogan goes back there to talk to Savage, like, what is your deal? He goes, you have lust in your eyes for Elizabeth, yeah. Uh, oh, that was good. <laughs> that was good. It's not going to happen again. All right. I, like, that was good. Uh, thank you, Eric. But, like, so 
he's just like, if you want to come at me, and <laughs> no, now, yeah, now I can't. Now I can't. Yeah, bro. Sorry, that first one was it's too good not to comment. You can't yeah. give him praise. Yeah. But then he's like, you got lust in your eyes for a little bit. You want to come at me man to man and go after the world and all that bullshit. <laughs> and then uh, he, he, Hogan's just like, talk some sense into him, Liz. I mean, I don't know what's going on. And then you just see Savage just come at him with a belt Yeah. on the training room floor. You stupid bitch. Don't kick <laughs> us off the air. She jumped. Uh, now you know what I deal with every day when I work from home. You have my you have my sympathies. Uh, so anyway, um, so then he just starts putting knots in on Hogan's head, and Elizabeth tries to interfere, and then he just he grabs Elizabeth and he hurls her across the room. Who yeah. hurls her? Mark. Savage. Like he pulled her, and he just it's almost like he just fucking shot put at her, like backwards, like across the room, and you just you just hear her scream. And then Brutus Beefcake comes in, and he's just like, get away from me, you're crazy, man, you're crazy. Brutus Sponge Cake. Yeah, because this is around the start of, okay, we're going to put Hogan and Beefcake together. And we're going to, oh, Hulk Hogan. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it's as good a description as any, right? So, but, and then... You know, you get that promo again where he goes, oh, you got lust in your eyes for Elizabeth, yeah. And that, that's the only line I could fucking get. <laughs> I was about to say, your lust is fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, wait till we get to the flare, uh, to the promo after the match with Flair. I can probably do that. Uh, so, but the whole thing, the build-up, like you said, the build-up, the match. WrestleMania five, by the way, was actually one of the highest-grossing WrestleManias I think up until up until fourteen. Yeah, I think so. Because I think WrestleMania fourteen, because they had Tyson, like it broke. It, that's what broke the box office record. But uh, WrestleMania five up to that time, or at that point, again for like the next nine years, that was you know the highest grossing because people wanted to see the mega powers explode. Yeah, and it was the perfect, it was almost the perfect storyline. It's the perfect heel turn. It's an iconic feud, and it's an iconic breakup, and everything about it, because you kind of believe that these two were boys. It's not like one of those angles where you put a guys together for a few weeks, and they break up, and it's like, oh, what the fuck? You actually thought that these two hang out and shit. It was a year buildup. Yeah, so when it finally came to an end, and you never thought that Macho would do it, so when he did it, it's like, damn and having a girl in between, it was just, it's relatable. It's a great storyline in all senses of the world, or, or the word, because exactly. it was just, it was pretty original for the time, you know, and it's it's very real. Shit like that happens all the time, and it was good. All right, next up, we have Ric Flair, WrestleMania 8, and you were just talking about this. Okay. So, again, this is another thing. By the way, some of Randy's best feuds involved, like, you know, Elizabeth somehow being involved. This way, one is completely form. different, though, and in a great way, because it's just Ric Flair turning up his character, which is already his character, to a 10. Yeah. And you have the best version of two characters, which is this loving 
this Romeo and Juliet homecoming king and queen couple and this fucking dude who's just a really good guy and he treats his lady great and that's like the mom and dad of the WWF. And then you have this fucking asshole from a different company who's known for getting mad fucking, we'll say, clapping cheeks. Yeah. Yeah. He's known for getting mad vash. So he, he, he's out here killing it. He slings through it. He's never heard that word before. Have you? No. He's the man that takes your girl to Space Mountain. That's yeah. what he does. And it's what he's known for. And that's what he Is brags about. Rick Flair. Oh, okay. Rick Flair. And that's was his, his whole character is being a sleaze and being a fucking, yeah, right. get mad chicks. And they did it a little bit back in NWA with certain people, and like Precious and shit, right? Was it Precious? Right, yeah, it was Precious when, like, and the then... Garvin in the hotel room with JJ. Oh, that was still, yeah. like, I, I love that scene. So, and then you, you have these two awesome characters, and now you have a perfect foil. You have a perfect, with uh, Miss Elizabeth, who is this just this gentle, innocent, like, Bambi-type creature. You know, like a, just a, like a deer, like a doe. Like, yeah. she's just a, a sweet woman. And fucking Ric Flair's trying to clap her. And he's trying to fucking... And he's using her to get to Randy's head. You don't know if he wants to belt or if he genuinely just wants to clap cheeks. It's just a great story. So the whole deal... WrestleMania was supposed to be Flair and Hogan. Okay? Yeah, yeah. But yeah was, All right. Well, that's about right after Saturday night's main event, they decided, okay, we're going to switch it up. Well, yeah, because they were doing the towns... They didn't draw well, and they right. said, fuck it. So that's when, the reality. When they, yeah, that's the reality. So they switch it. And then afterwards, uh, Perfect and Bobby Heenan start saying, oh, we got a surprise for Macho Man Randy Savage. Because uh, Mr. Perfect was, you know, and Bobby Heenan were part of that Ric Flair package. Uh, and Flair was the executive consultant. Bobby Heenan was the financial advisor. Uh both played their characters very well. Like Mr. Perfect was absolutely hateable back then. Oh yeah. Especially because like he had that Lloyd's of London policy on him to where he could hit you but you can't hit him back. Yeah. And to me that made you like the ultimate heel to where you could get away with such shit. Now if I were around back then and I got told, Oh, you can't hit me because I have a policy, first thing I'd do is I'd hit you is I'd hit you. Yeah. And be like, hey, I fuck you out of your policy, motherfucker. Mm. Yeah. Uh, get sued. Well. <laughs> tomato I can see you do that, though. Yeah. I could do Me too. I, I was just. Yeah, I, I don't. I in the courtroom. Like, Damn, motherfucker. <laughs> if he's going to hit me, I'm going to hit him. Uh, fuck you, yeah. judge. <laughs> then I get taken off in handcuffs. <laughs> But then Eric yells across the yells across the room. I'll see you at a conjugal visit. It was just per, it should have been the main event. It's one of those matches. Yeah, Hogan and Sid had no business in the main event compared to this. It was a perfect storyline. You had two genuine wrestlers that could wrestle and fucking put on a great match. You had a good story behind it, and the right guy won because Macho had to win. Yeah, and it, like it had to win for it to work. <laughs> You're coming off the Royal Rumble. Yeah, yeah, cool. Ric Flair winning the world title. He's fucking white hot again. And it, it was just perfect. It just worked. It was one of the best. If if we live in a world where Macho and Steamboat doesn't happen, then this is Macho Man's best WrestleMania match. Exactly. And as somebody said, 
I think it was in uh, Solomon's for Sound Sounds Off. Somebody said one time that before Shawn Michaels started having WrestleMania, like classic WrestleMania matches, you could almost consider Randy Savage as Mr. WrestleMania. He's up there. Now, you kind of forget that he at WrestleMania 2, he worked with George the Animal Steve. <laughs> uh, so I'm pretty sure that that, uh, um, that part of the brain uh, was basically, that part of the brain that created that mental picture was killed by alcohol. Uh, so, but you could technically consider, because, again, the WrestleMania 3 was Steamboat. WrestleMania 4, even though a lot of those were short, he did have some good ones. Like, the match with DiBiase was decent. The match against Greg Valentine, although Greg Valentine really didn't, wasn't really in the mood to sell. Fucking useless Dutch woman. Uh, like, that one was pretty good. And then the match with, with Warrior. And then, obviously, this one. But, see, this one here was good. And, like, even the build-up when they were talking about how, you know, she was mine before she was yours. And uh, they pub- they published the pictures in the, in the WWF magazine. Yeah. And Randy had even said that I want, you know, he wanted to punch the people, the punch the publishers of the magazine in the face. And then you had one of the editors of the magazine come on and say, how dare Macho Man, in a British accent, so you know they're pussies, uh, how dare uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, and I can't do British, mm-hmm. uh, question our integrity. We are, our magazine is full of integrity. It's like, yeah, publish fake news. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. You're the Hollywood Inquirer for fucking WWE, WWF at the time. Uh, don't get me wrong. Love reading it. Got a lot of issues upstairs. <laughs> but legitimacy, no. <laughs> uh, so it's so then Randy and then they were doing the interviews in the house and you know in the houses like Gene Okerlund went to Randy's house two weeks in a row, which I actually think it was a lie. I think he just spent the night there and did like two interviews at the over like two weeks. Uh, but he interviewed Elizabeth. And Elizabeth said those pictures that Flair has that says it's him and I, he cut Randy's picture out and put himself in. Yeah. Uh, which was detailed over the, like the next couple issues in the magazine. But like those are mine and Randy's personal pictures. I don't know where Flair got them. But, you know, he, you know, it's not true. And then you see Mean Gene interviewing Randy Savage about it. He's like, what did you say about the allegations? And all you hear Randy say is, not true, not true, not true. And, like, the veins are popping out of his head. Like, you would almost – and you're almost thinking, like, all right, Gene, you might want to (laughs) leave. Like, because Randy's about ready to get up and hit somebody. And Gene Orkman was still halfway decent at the time, so I didn't want him to get hit. Yeah. Not till he got the WCW. I just feel like Rick was the perfect foil for that relationship. He he was. And then you get to the match. And the match was, and by the way, you already had one of the classic intercontinental title matches. Yeah. Okay. So now these two have to follow that. It was light work for them, though. It was. Uh, and then 
there was the one spot in the match where Randy comes off and Flair hits his head on the guardrail and then Flair blades. Ugh. By the way, no blading policy in the company at that time. He didn't give a shit. That's Rick Flair. Well, and that's the thing. Like he thought because Brett bladed earlier in the night, but Brett and Roddy, when they were questioned about it, Roddy made it sound like you know he really that it was hard way because of the way he was punching Brett, yeah. and Brett hit the blade. Yeah. So you couldn't actually tell that he was blading himself. Yeah. Flair's stupid ass. The camera caught him going like this. Even though, like, he was face down, but you could tell what he's doing. Yeah. Flair didn't hide it. <laughs> okay? So, Flair got busted and got fined, I think it was $10,000 or whatever it was. Jesus. Got, got a hefty fine. Bret Hart didn't get fined, so Flair was butthurt about that. It's like, well, hide it better. Like, we get it. You're adding blood to the match, which, in this kind of a feud, I understand. Yeah. I don't think Roddy and Bret needed the blood. Because it was two baby faces. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but no one's gonna tell Roddy Piper. Just like Ric Flair. Well, Piper no was done after that night yeah. anyway. No one's gonna tell Roddy what he can't do. Yeah. Well, uh, Brett was the one that bled, and Brett like really bladed himself. Like there was blood all down his face. Flair like it was at the top at, at the top of his head, and that's it. But I don't think that. I don't think the Intercontinental match needed the blood. This did. Yeah. Because it just added to it. It was a blood feud. Yeah. And then Perfect kept getting involved. And Randy got trapped in the figure four. And then you see Elizabeth coming down. And uh, Dave Hebner and Shane McMahon and all these other agents trying to, uh, you know, trying to get involved, trying to hold her back. And then Flair has Savage trapped in the figure four. And then you see Perfect holding uh, Flair's hands to try to add to that leverage. And then finally, Earl Hebner in the ring, referee, Earl takes three steps back and then gives the kick <sighs> that knocks perfect on his ass <laughs> on the ground. And Earl got a standing ovation for doing that. By the way, there was about 68,000 people in the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis to watch this. So for a WrestleMania that a lot of people say, you know, not necessarily the greatest. It drew a house. Yeah. So I don't want to fucking hear it. Exactly. It's one of my all-time favorite WrestleManias. Uh, but the fact that, like, something, something finally happened to Perfect and Earl, you know, Earl did what he did. And it's just like everybody else on the outside is trying to fucking rush Elizabeth back and Elizabeth's not hearing it. She's just like, fuck you people. I'm staying out here. My husband is, uh, you know, fighting for the title. And then Sav- Flair grabs Savage's leg. Savage blocks the punch, hits him, rolls him up, grabs the tights. You can see Flair's bare ass. And, uh, you know, one, two, three, that's it. And then Flair grabs Elizabeth and kisses her. And then she starts, you know, slapping the shit out of him. Savage jumps on him. Perfect. And his Lloyd's a London ass goes in and just starts, you know, they just start beating up on Savage. The referees are holding Savage down. Nobody's holding Perfect and Flair down, yeah. but they're holding Savage down so Savage can get beat up. Yeah. Fucking bastard. 
the only people trying, the only person trying to hold Savage or trying to hold Flair and Perfect back is Earl Hefner. <laughs> the only person that had Randy's back during this whole fucking thing in the world. <laughs> and Earl's getting thrown around. And then, like, they get Flair out of the ring, and refer- the officials are finally doing their fucking job. And then Earl stands in the ring because Earl has to help Savage up because. During the match, they were playing up that Randy's knee had been severely damaged. Yeah. And it was perfect, right? It was perfect. Well, it was done by perfect. But it was like, it was a perfect story that was being told. And I just get goosebumps just talking about it now, right? Yeah. And, like, uh, they get Randy up, and, and they do the fireworks, and he's holding the belt up. And Howard Finkel goes... Here is your winner, and once again, World Wrestling Federation champion. You get this big ovation, and then the promos after. Because Bobby Heenan goes down and joins Flair and Perfect for their post-match interview. And they're just like, Randy Savage is a cheater. And you got Sean Mooney, who's holding the microphone, going, "Uh, Mr. Perfect, you kept interfering. (laughs) And they're like, shut up, (laughs) And then Randy's promo. Yeah. And... Uh, mean Gene Okerlund goes, Randy Savage, you heard them talk about you grabbing the tights. He goes, oh, I don't care. I don't even care. And he goes, as far as I'm concerned, Ric Flair, I just got a piece of you. Yeah. And then he just talked about, and then, you know, goes on and talks a little more. And then um, uh, Gene wanted to talk to Elizabeth, and he's like, you know what? No. <laughs> he's like, this is yours in the hands of the belt. This is yours. Take it and go. And then he rips off his shirt. He goes, and this, Ric Flair, is yours. You can have all of me next time. Yeah. He goes, I don't care if it's in the street. Parking lot doesn't even matter to me because I'll do anything I can to win. If I didn't prove it tonight, I'll definitely prove it to you next time. Yeah. Yeah. And Mr. Perfect, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And he's just like, I'll get all of you next time. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, and that's one of my all-time favorite promos. That's a good one. Yeah. Damn, Doug, you've been <laughs> practicing. When yeah. it comes to that promo, and I think the the Piper promo, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like I can I can do those. Any other promo, it's just like, uh, give me a Vladimir Kozlov. <laughs> I gotta work on that. Uh, but like any other promo. Like most of the '92 like Royal Rumble promos, I I can probably I can probably do. Yeah. Like, when they talk about going into the Rumble or whatever, and I did some of them from when I was on the the old uh, Rain Man show, and I got made fun of, and that's why I well never... fuck those guys. Yeah. Except for Box. No, Box Man was cool, and Anthony wasn't really making fun of me. It was that piece of shit producer we had, but. Uh, so Eric, Eric by far is my favorite producer I've ever had for a podcast. Oh, I'll go fuck myself. Yeah, <laughs> you're not necessarily a producer. You're part time. Right. Well, I you pro- and you and Eric tie. I produce. Okay. You produce a lot of content. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So you and Eric tie. I love you both. <laughs> it's okay. Anyway, uh, but no. So yeah, this match was like. It was basically, it was almost like a storybook ending. Elizabeth just ruined it by, you know, divorcing him like a month later. Damn. In real life, right? Yeah, in real life. Damn. All right. You ready for number two? Yeah. The World 
championship tournament at WrestleMania four when he won. Okay. He beat Ted DiBiase. Beat Ted DiBiase. Wrestled four times that night, which was unheard of. And a lot of people say, oh, they didn't need to have the whole tournament that night. You could have had it like uh, the first round somewhere else, which they could have done like a primetime special or something like that. Yeah. Or even like a special on primetime. They made it special. Like a, a March to WrestleMania 4 or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm cool with what they did. I enjoyed the tournament. Me too. Okay. Some matches on there did not need to happen. Yeah. Uh, like we could have done without 90 seconds of Bam Bam Bigelow in one main game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <coughs> although, to be honest with you, like if the match would have gone longer, I probably would have liked it. But Pam Pam Bigelow looked like a shrimp compared to compared to the gang. Uh, but no, so Randy Savage beats the natural butchery. Greg the Hammer Valentine, one man gang, and Ted DiBiase. Uh, to win the world title. Basically, when you know, we got to WrestleMania four. And it's just, when we got to WrestleMania 4, everybody thought it was either going to be, it, it, the winner of the Hogan-Andre match from round two, they thought that that was going to be the world champion. Yeah. But the way they had it set up was, at first, the way they had the bracket set up, it was going to be Savage and Rude in the final. Yeah. But then they felt like they would tell a better story with DiBiase. Uh which I don't like. How do you say? Do you think that uh, a savage rude final would have been would have been good too? Yeah, yeah. I think rude would have been able to do what DiBiase did. They're both great. So, yeah, but do you think like it would have been like a different and not necessarily a different story as in rude winning? But no, I don't. I think it would have gone probably the same way. But like, I, do you think it would have had the heat though that? Yes. DBS. I think Rick Rude was as good of a heel as DBS he was. Okay. To answer your question. Yeah. But I'm a Rick Rude guy. I love Rick Rude. Rick Rude playing, but, you know, and I love Ted too. I, they're, they're both like elite, but DBS he got booked a little more elite than Rude did. Right. Rude was a bit more underrated than DBS. Right. So, like, because. Rude was like a perfect, really good wrestling heel. So, what, what would have had to have happened, the way they had the bracket set up, Rude would have had to have beaten he would have had to have beaten Jake, which I think was the original plan. If the brackets would have stayed the same. He would have had to have beaten DiBiase or not DiBiase, he would have had to have beaten uh, Jake. He would have beaten Morocco in the second round and he would have gotten the bye because he would have been placed where Andre he would have been placed as the Andre uh, DiBiase or, or the winner of Andre, or he would have had to face the winner of Andre and Hogan. Yeah. Okay. Savage would have had to have beaten, and I, I think the original finish, I think, was Gang wasn't going to go over. Yeah. Because Gang and Bigelow were just going to beat each other up. It was going to be a double count out or a double DQ. DiBiase was going to get the buy that way. And, uh, but Savage was still going to have to beat Reed, Hammer, DiBiase in the semi, and then Rude in the final. So uh, it would have been a little different. I mean, the majority of the outcomes 
would have stayed the same, except for they were still toying with the idea of doing the WrestleMania three rematch in the second round with Steamboat and Savage, because that's what everybody was hoping was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, the issue is is that they wanted Savage to face all ba- all heels, and also because Ricky had given his notice and said that he was done after WrestleMania four. Uh, Vince said, okay, well, then you're going to lose in the first round. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I mean, well, Ricky gave his notice, so there was no reason for him to... You don't go out on top. You go out, when you leave the company, you have to put somebody over. Yeah, that's usually the way it goes. So. All right. Number one, drum roll. Our number one Macho Man moment of all time is, of course, WrestleMania three against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Yep. A lot of people might say, how is that his best moment when he lost? Savage never... Savage's momentum just went higher and higher. After it was that. so good. He looked so good. It was babyface, babyface, right? No, it Savage, was, was, Savage heel. was heel. He was the king. No, he wasn't the king yet. He was the Intercontinental Champion. Okay. And he had uh, injured Steamboat's trachea. Okay. Or trachea or larynx or something. To where, like, they did uh, they did that angle where the doctors told Ricky, you you know, you can't wrestle anymore. You're done. Uh, but, you know, Steamboat being the man that he is, he's just like, no, nah, I'm not done. I'm going to stick around. And uh, George the Animal Steel was in uh, Ricky Steamboat's corner, which really wasn't necessary, but uh, Steel also was kind of part of the finish. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, they didn't need him. Yeah, but it was just such a perfect match. It wasn't even about the story. It's just one of the best wrestling matches of all time. Yeah. I mean, it's not about winners or losers. It's a masterpiece. It's a piece of art. It's something that Sharon doesn't like wrestling that much. If I put it on right now, by the end of it, she'd be like, that was really good. It's one of those things. You can show it to anybody. It's a good fucking match. Yeah, I did. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. It's fucking, it's one of those matches. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. I mean, I watched it, but I wasn't kind of like I am now. It's, It's okay, but. Yeah, you weren't as into it because basically back then, the only reason why anybody in our house was watching it is because Dad and Baba had it on. Yeah. Yeah, it was never a favorite thing. Just like, it, it might not be anybody's favorite thing. If you show them this match, they'll be like, damn, that was fucking awesome. Yeah. It's what it's just the yeah. best wrestling match of all time, if not one of them. Well, it's, it's one of the best wrestling matches of the 80s. Yeah, and it's just two guys that athletically could go to the max. Both guys were fucking great. Both guys can make anybody look good, but also when they're made to look good, can look amazing. Both guys, just Rick, you know, the correlation's just, it's putting two of the best in-ring workers together and magic happened. And that's what they did. Yeah. yeah. Chemistry, the ring, psychology, everything was made. Yeah. Because it still holds up. Yeah, it, it does. Because it'll still be, like, if you do, like, a top ten greatest WrestleMania matches of all time, it's still going to come in at, like, 
I mean, I would think it would come That's in right. at like two or three. I know my <coughs> say, oh, you know, Shawn Michaels matches or, you know. Which one? What Shawn Michaels match is better than that? Shawn and Undertaker one still isn't better than that. Either is two. Well, I would say, like, if you were going, if any of Shawn's WrestleMania matches were going to compete with Flair and Steamboat, it would be Macho and Steamboat. Or, yeah, or, yeah, Macho and Steamboat, I'm sorry. If it was going to compete with Macho and Steamboat, it would be his match with Kurt Angle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But even yeah. that, it didn't have the heat that this had. It didn't have a couple different things. Like, it was a great match, but I don't know, man. I mean, may- maybe Jericho at 19? Maybe Ric Flair for emotional value. Not for in-ring stuff, but... Because of the story in the moment and the I'm sorry yeah. I love you super kick and maybe for all that it might top it but fucking actual like in ring work I think this is one of the best ones this is right up there with Eddie and Kurt so I, and I still love it to this day I would still show it to anybody that wants to like learn about wrestling and I think it's just it's a master class it's just one of those matches oh no I 100% agree with you it's probably the number one matching show people. Right. Like, if you do, like, if we ever do, like, you know, because Eric had the idea of doing, like, a top ten matches of, like, certain years. Yeah. If we ever did top ten matches of 1987, this would be number one. Yeah. Because I can't think of a match in 1987 that would fucking, that would top this. It's just, like, Dave Meltzer, I don't know what he rated this, if he rated this at the time. But if you want to tell me Okada and Omega, any of their matches better than this, you can kiss my ass. Well, on the brown spot. Yeah, I agree with that. No, I I agree with that too because I'm I'm a big Okada fan. I like them too. I know you don't, and I don't want to turn into that. But I like them too. It's still not better than than this. Okada and Omega. The funny thing about them is. The only gripe I had with them is, as good as the match was, it dragged in certain spots for me. Yeah. I was good with them going a half hour. They did not need to go like 45, 60 minutes, whatever the fuck it was. I'm not a fan of 32 finishers either. Okay. So how much rain can you make? Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's my only gripe about it. Other had, than like that, 32 rainmakers. Yeah. Other than that, perfect, yeah. perfect match. But yeah. you know, cut it at a half hour or whatever. These two guys went 15 minutes playing or Steamboat and Savage. That's yep. all you needed to do. They'll put on the classic. Yeah, the long match can be good if done well. and that. But it's just this is right place, right time, right guys. It's just the best. Yeah. It's hard. And it had to be number one here, even though Macho lost. It's his best match he's ever done. Right. So well, good. again, he continued to ascend. Now, the whole Steamboat thing... Uh, you know, they gave him this big WrestleMania moment. He thanks them by taking time off. Yeah. Uh, now, again, he had every right to take time off. His son was giving birth. Or not, <laughs> his wife was giving birth to that, his son? That, yeah. that might be a valid statement in 2023, but yeah. No, his, his <laughs> wife was giving birth to, to his first child. Well, actually, no, like, he didn't even, he didn't take the time off until after she had given birth. Yeah. Like, because she basically went to him and said, I need you home. Like, take some time off. You know, 
so you could spend it with me and the baby. And Vince kind of looked at him like, Ricky, we just gave you this moment. Like, why? Because Ricky didn't ask for it until after WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, I mean, smart. Because uh, Bonnie's just like, I, I don't know, not even after WrestleMania. It's just, he went to him one day and said, I need time off. Ricky, you're the Intercontinental Champion. We just did this moment for you. Well, Bonnie wants me home. And, you know, Vince, of course, you know, not necessarily. Well, actually, no, Vince back then actually gave a damn what other people wanted. So they're just like, all right, fine. You know, we'll undo what we just did. Uh, And, you know, Steamboat kind of went down. Huh? How do you you undo what you just did? By leaving. No, but how did they how did they write him up? Write that he lost the. They just uh, he he lost the Intercontinental Title to Honky Tonk Man, and then we didn't see him again for like three months. And Honky Tonk Man was champion for like three years. (laughs) About fourteen months. So like they basically like all the build up that they gave you know they built Ricky up they made him into the champion and all that they gave him this beautiful moment and then like in a three minute match on television which was actually in Buffalo by the way uh, they just it got wiped out just like that and you know again you can't really fault Ricky for wanting to spend time with his family no it's real life you can fault his wife for bringing it up (laughs) uh it's real life. Though. Yeah, it, it is real life. And, and I know a lot of people, you know, myself included, uh, you know, a lot of people do criticize Ricky's, or not Ricky's Steamboat, but Bonnie Steamboat for kind of getting involved in Ricky's business. But, you know, you want your husband home, that's, that's your prerogative is wanting your husband home. Uh, are you smart exactly. to do it? Are, are you smart to do it, you know, when he's in the middle of this big run and they just, you know, you know, did all this big build-up for him and all that? Probably not, but mm-hmm. wrestler-wise are not smart. Look at Deborah McMichael and Karen Angle. Uh, and positive, though, because we're getting out of here. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of positive wrestling lives. Well, uh, don't, yeah, we'll move on from wrestling lives. Yeah. But, no. I like, still want it to be, fuck Karen Angle. Have a good night, everybody. Yeah. Uh, well, everybody has fucked Karen Angle. Uh, but, uh, well, we'll never get Jeff on the show. Uh, I'd like to still get Kurt, though. I like Kurt a lot. Kurt will agree with everything we just said. Uh, but no, like, as far as Randy's top ten moments in matches, this would uh, this one being number one definitely should be. Again, he didn't win the match, but he gained as much from it as Ricky did. Yeah. Because they realized, they're like, oh my God, like we can actually count on this guy to have a good match. Yeah. Is that what made his career, do you think? Uh, I think that's what helped. Probably did. That's what helped start, that's what helped give them faith in him. Okay. He was already on his way, though. The character was, he was doing the promos. Yeah. He was already honing in. It was just that next, it was the big moment. It was time for him to shine, and he shined, and it was like, all right. Was the cream of the crop promo before or after this? I think it was before. Okay. But he fucking, he was already doing his shit. It was just, this was the biggest spectacle 
to show everybody, and he's really showed them. Well, and also, too, WrestleMania two, he was being considered for the title match with Hogan. Yeah. King Kong Bundy got jealous of that, went to Vince and said, no, give it to me because I can crap bigger. I, I, I crap out bigger pieces than Randy Savage because King Kong Bundy had an issue with Randy Savage because back... Randy was actually talented. Well, that and apparently Randy and his dad back when they were running international championship wrestling said that Bundy was too fat to be a main eventer. Well, it was wrong. Uh, no, they weren't wrong, but in Bundy's eyes... Uh, but no, like, but Randy, yeah, it probably did. Like he was, like Daniel said, he was technically a made man, but this is what I think started to, you know, put the faith in him that they knew he could work. Yeah. And then like, once he got the title and then the whole, all the Hogan stuff happened, it's like, okay, this is our guy. Uh, this is our number one heel. Not DiBiase, it's not Rick Rude, it's not Andre anymore. He's our number one heel. Yeah. But then when they needed him to be a babyface, he could be a babyface. Yeah. He'd be a babyface. He he could truly go both ways and was great at it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's not what we meant. But this was a lot of fun, guys. What are we doing next week? Uh, so. Do we want to try Eric's new idea of coming up with top top ten matches for uh, for a specific year? Yeah. Okay. Eric, you came up with the idea first. What year do you want to do? Well, I'll come up with a uh, year and then get um put in I'll put in a um, group no vote. No, give me a year. No, right just now. give it a year. Don't leave it up to these assholes. Nineteen ninety-seven. We okay. love our fans. <laughs> All right, nineteen ninety-seven it is. So top ten matches from nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah, yeah. No, we love our fans, but it's also just like do like if I pick nineteen eighty-five, you know that's what they're going to vote for. Yeah. But uh, uh, all right, guys. Man. We'll see everybody next week, and I love you both. Love you too. Love you. Love you. Love Bye, guys. See you tomorrow. See you. See you. Are you ready? American Dream He's just a common man Working hard with his hands He's just a common man Working hard for the man Hey, he's a Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.